0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Back to Basics program with Rabbi El Shalom. Last week was the introduction, this week is part one of the Harsinai series, so without further ado, let's jump right into it. We are here for another episode. We are going to be starting the Harsinai series. Uh, last week we had the introduction to the Harsinai, and this week we are going to be starting the actual uh, learning of it. So, Rabbi Liel, take it away. Okay, so
1: just um, good to be back, especially on this topic, which is a very, very essential topic Like we started uh, the episode last week. Now, um, just as a disclaimer, a lot of, uh, I mean, most of the things and the style um, of these particular Shirim on Parsini, this one and the next one, will be almost taken entirely from Rabbi Kelman, uh, Rabbi Lawrence Kelman. So you could find this, you know, maybe I'll add a little flavor here, flavor there, but, you know, I heard, you know the the, the sheer the idea of this uh, concept of I mean this the Sheer of Har Sinai I heard it in many different variations from the rabbis but when I heard it from Rabbi Lawrence Kelman it you know it spoke the most to me so we'll go in that way so we're gonna start diving in and try to understand if last week we understood how we got to Mount Sinai, right, once that it all started, it's not that God just came to a group of people and told them, well, this is the Torah and this is the way to live, right? Instead, God wanted it to come from the people, from people that are worthy and, uh, and you know, can get to that level of receiving the Torah, not in a way of just like it's thrown upon them, but in a way that they want to receive it and then God gives it to them. Okay, at the end of the day, it isn't given by Torah, the Torah, and it is whatever God says is right, is right, and that's the manual instruction, how to use this world. But but the way it came, we kind of earned it, starting from Avram Avinu, all the way to Har Sinai. However, like we said, the Torah was on an individual level. Once it becomes public, yeah, once it was in, in Har Sinai, So, you understand, let me just explain, take a minute to explain the big, you know, fundamental difference that happens before Harsinah and after Harsinah, which I I ended up last week saying that it's a totally different world. What changes is that once it's not an individual revelation, it's a mass revelation, which we're going to learn about Harsinah, clearly mass revelation, right? God came to a large group of people we're going to see soon how much and exactly exactly uh, uh you know what happened there but you understand that that's going to change the whole entire idea right now because it's not individ- on an individual level it's a mass revelation so now the whole world kind of has to believe that it happened so it's, it's a very big difference it's not on an individual level it's on a public level and it's God revealing Himself to a group of people, so it's not hidden anymore. God, in 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 a sense, God revealed Himself to the world. You know, all those only to the Jewish people. So, so you see when when it like it's brought in the Midrashim that also the other nations heard about this. This was a uh, um, you know a it, it became a public. Um, thing to the whole entire world that God revealed himself. And, and you see in history today, everyone, not only Christians and Muslims, but even atheists and uh, historians, science, they all agree, at least, that we claim that the Jews claim, they know about it, that the Jews at least claim that they were in Mount Sinai and had a mass release, right? So, and, and, and you know, you go back in history, obviously, it was more known. And think about it just by having this idea that God revealed himself to a large group of people, right, to a few millions of people, like we're gonna see soon, um, that's a game changer for the world because then you need to fight this idea. You don't wanna go and use the, the world in the way that God gave it, although he gave it only to the Jews, but um, to just to recognize that there is a manual instruction to the world, that was received by the Jews. And the Gentiles, right? We had the seven Mishos Menach, the, the, the Goyim, right? They had, they have the seven Mishos Menach, which that's their requirement, right? The Jews got more and that we'll discuss later when we talk about the um, about the Jewish people, right? That's a total different idea of why do we have 613 and the rest of the world has seven? You know, without going too deep into that, but you understand the impact, incredible impact that our Sinai had in the world. And now you can understand why people will try to argue with us, right? Because think about what a claim we are making, the Jewish people, so many years later, claiming, well, God revealed himself, himself to us in a mass revelation. That's that's the whole difference. That's a big difference. And now what we want to do with first, let's contrast that. With a few of the very, you know, famous religions out there. So, what are what are the most famous uh, religions out there? Israel, that you know of.
0: Christianity, Muslims, Buddhism, or whatever, however right. you pronounce right.
1: it. Yeah, there is Hindu,
0: which again, we're not going to go there. Is in Christianity, there's a lot
1: of branches in Buddha's, Buddhism. There's a lot of But we're gonna try to pick on exactly those three, let's say the most popular religions because there are estimate 10,000 distinct religions worldwide, about 84% of the world population is affiliated with Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, or some form of, you know, folk religion. So Wikipedia actually says 10,000, a lot of religions out there. Okay, so let's get back on track. Okay, so, you know, according to Wikipedia, sorry, it says, you now 10,000, you know, some experts say it's really 4,500, around 4,500. There's different names and numbers that are thrown out there. But let's say they're in the thousands, okay? Let's all agree that religions today are in the thousands. Um, I heard from a different source that all the religions and cults in history we're estimated, we're talking about like 85,000 of them, okay? So, again, so there's many thousands of religions out there in the world. We're going to pick on these three very famous religions. Um, there's another religion that Rabbi Kelman was just picking on as a half a jump of Mormons. You know, the, the, in, in the United States, the Mormons are, it's a relatively new religion. Um, so maybe we'll just mention that because Rabbi Kelman mentioned it. But um, so let's start with Christianity, okay? So Christianity, how did Christianity start? Obviously, after Judaism, and and Yimachshim uh, of a we call you Yeshua Nozri. He was um, Jewish, right? And he lived at the end of the time of the korban of the of the of the second temple. And without going too much into the details, obviously we can't, you know, talk too much about that. But basically, everyone knows his story: that he was he was a uh, mason from Midian. He went, he rebelled against the rabbis, against, and he was Macy's from Midian, He was carrying after him his disciples, his followers, his followers to go against the Torah, against the Chachamim. And eventually, you know, the Romans were already ruling the land almost entirely. And um, together with the basin, they killed him. And, um, and at night, you know, his disciples, uh, I mean, the, the Jews, some of the, you know, Yerushalayim Jews who were afraid that after they, 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 they killed him and hung him, you know, the, there is a chayvah to, to go and bury him. So they buried him. So some have were afraid that it's going to turn into a monument into a place that people will go and follow and continue what the, the that horrible thing that he was doing. So at night um, they took out the body and made it disappear somehow. Right. They, they took it away. They dug the caver out and took it away. And obviously what, what did his disciples say? His disciples said that Ooh, his his body descended to heaven and they made up and that even like in a way even helped their story, promote their story even more. Um, But people think... But who, it was the Jews that killed
0: him in the first place or the Romans?
1: No, it was the Jews, but it was together. It was done in the Roman way. Like the the cross that they got was just the Roman way to do it. Again, there's a lot of details that goes into the story. A lot of details we don't exactly know, but more or less is that's what we know. And, yeah, the Romans were, uh, the, the, the Jewish state, you can call it, was already almost like a colony of the of the Roman Empire, okay? We didn't have full control. We kind of, you know, were working with them together. So a lot of, like, you go in the Old City, you see how a lot of the structure and the buildings from Herod, right, are, were built by the Romans. The Romans were coming in and investing themselves, and we worked together with them. The Chachamim, the religious you know, eventually, you know, the stories that, you know, the rabbis wanted to continue complying with the Romans, but the other, the others, the guys that went against the rabbis, a different group than uh, the secretum, they were fighting the Romans, then, you know, terrible things happened. Yeah, also
0: I was a few weeks (laughs) ago, I went on a trip up north with a friend and we stopped in Caesarea and there also you see beautiful uh, spots uh, built by the Romans, there was like a uh, horse uh, race track the area and like you like, yeah, oh, this the was the castle and different stuff there.
1: Yeah, the amphitheater, the, the famous amphitheater case. Yeah, right, it's all over the country. All over the country you have um, some remnants of Romans, the Greeks, the Babylonians, <laughs> and the Persians, all the people that visited here. Persians left. But anyways, um, so People think that Christianity started from, you know, from Yoshka No, it's wrong. It did not start from him really. I mean, he started he was the person and he had followers. So one of his
0: It started disciples- based on him. Exactly like it wasn't of- just I think like two hundred years after that like they actually made it into a thing. That's when like it actually started.
1: Oh, so I'll explain that and very roughly. Again, we're not going through the whole history right now. We just want to bring the point. But very roughly, his, he had one of his disciples, one of his Talmudim, was called Paul, which was also Jewish. And they're all Jewish at the beginning, right? And 30 years later, Paul was Shaul. Um, the student of his was on the way to Damascus. And then, according to what he claims, when he came back, he had on the way to Damascus, he had his revelation, um, the revelations from Yimbaq, the Zikhra. Right, and he revealed him, and he told him all kinds of stuff that were later on written down. Again, there's a lot of different stories that are going there. Then there were, then after him, there were other that were involved. But really, that was the start. That was like kind of the revelation of of Yashka coming and starting to say the things that they know today that Christianity was founded on. Well, Christ- Christianity still didn't kick off. It started as a religion starting by Paul by his disciples. Really, it turned into a real uh, a religion that was spread around the world more hundred years later around 100 years later by Constantine uh, of of Roma of Rome right he was uh um uh, the general of of Rome you know how do you call it the, the, the army guy <laughs> of Rome and um you know in in one word in one word basically christianity uh, uh i mean the Romans were controlling the world but there were kind of losing it because they were very empty. They had nothing to sell. And they came up with this idea that religion will give meaning to the people. And obviously, uh, I mean, if you read the, the Roman history, they were very empty people. They didn't have much, you know, uh, uh, morals. Uh, uh, to, to, and that, that general, Constantine, he realized that that religion will do good for them. And that will be, a you know, a, a way to also enforce their power around the world, which that's what happened. That's how Christianity also became so popular, only because of the Romans. I mean, look at Italy today, Rome, right? Which Which is the headquarters of Christianity, because the Roman Empire were the ones that went around the world and, you know, talked everyone into joining the religion of Christianity. Okay? So you see how it happened. 30 years after Yeshua dies, Paul starts that revelations and then he passes on all those revelations which turns into later on to uh, into a religion that's taken by the Romans and the Romans bring it out to the world, okay? So that's the beginning of Christianity. Now, when Paul claims, when, the, when a Christian will come and, and claim that what he's saying is true, right? And their religion is true. You're going to go to the beginning of the chain of their tradition. You're going to get to the story with Paul. They even themselves say, right? That Paul had revelations from Yoshua that told him so and so and so and so, right? Good. Now, the problem with that is, Rabbi Kellman would always say, he, I mean, a little bit about Rabbi Kellman, jumping a second to Rabbi Kellman. He used to be in 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 UCLA, University of California, and he, um, I think, majored. I think that was his main work. There was, uh, and he specialized in religions. And used to investigate religions. And I think he came up with this idea: how to break down every religion and um, in many, many different steps, and really bring it to the ground, and now the basic principle is that if at the beginning of the chain, it starts from one man, a a, a person coming and saying, I experienced so-and-so, at the end of the day, it's called, Rabbi Kelman says, zero credibility. Do uh, Do you wanna believe him? Go ahead, you can go and believe him if you choose to believe him, that what he's saying is true, But do I know that what he's saying is truth? He has
0: zero credibility to say what he says. I have no No, idea. There's no proof to any of it. Right. You just either choose to believe it or not. That's also in Christianity. It's all about belief. You just got to believe, you know, like you can't ask for proof. Like, no, it's all about the belief, you know. Right. So uh, I mean it makes sense. True. If that's how it started, then you know it's based on belief. Because if you don't be, you know, if you don't believe Paul, then what are we doing here? Right. But but
1: let's let's try to bring it into you know to see if it was it actually happened. Did Yashka come and reveal himself? And Did he have those revelations? No one knows. Well, Paul was there alone. So how am I supposed to know? How would a Christian know that that actually took place? Zero credibility. You understand so basically every religion rabbi we will go on we're going to go on more religions and we're going to do kind of the same idea if it was one person you remember i told this to you Israel, last week and imagine i come to you and i tell you at night god came to me and he told me that you should give me your wallet with your credit card and i know you have a lot of money right um, would you give me the credit card even if I'm just like a nice guy that you know me, I'm you know I'm not a thief I'm not, but but God told me. So give me your wallet. No, we'll use it like,
0: oh, amen. God said that, take it. Would you do that? Probably not. So why not? Even though last week I said but that God I would give it to Rebbe, but anybody else, no, like and unless I would know for a fact that God told him. Well, I'm but sure I would I'm, do but it. I'm telling you, hello, I'm telling right. you that God told me. Yeah, so so if the only way for me to know that God told you is because this person that came to me, he told me that God told him, so now I just need to believe him. like, I don't have any proof that God told him. Good point,
1: and that's called, uh, so now you understand this point of zero credibility. I have no credit on what I'm saying,
0: right? <clears throat> like if God would come to me and tell me Like, if however it would be, but like I would know for a fact that it's God telling me, hey, go give this person your money, then obviously, yeah. If someone comes over to me and said, hey, God came to me and he told me to give you all your money, then why should I believe him?
1: Exactly. Exactly. God came to me, told me, I'm good. But if someone comes and tells me God told him to tell me something, we have zero credibility. Okay, moving on to, to Islam. And you'll see it's the same kind of idea. It started by Muhammad. Everyone knows the stories that he used to walk and he would fall on the floor, similar to what we even say that is prophecy. But, you know, some say that he had epilepsy because, again, prophecy, we're not going to go we're going to have. We're going to talk later on, hopefully, about um, prophecy. But that's what they call him, a prophet. Um, but he would fall on the floor and he would wake up and he would tell um these revelations that he had okay and he would go and speak so really a very long story and very short he started as uh you know as a leader as a very charismatic leader that you know he used to help help the poor and things like that and um and slowly slowly in his life he became more radical and more radical as more he was having these revelations that he claimed to have but again Okay, so, you know, even today, you can ask a Muslim and he's gonna tell you, oh, we have this very rich tradition all the way to to Muhammad. Okay, so you go with his rich tradition, you go, you trace it down all the way back to Muhammad, where it all started, where you claim that it's true because um, Muhammad had these revelations, and you go to that revelation, and who was there by the revelation? They themselves claim Muhammad, uh, got the revelation himself. Oh, yeah, God, Muhammad got the revelation himself? Hmm. Um, how do you know that he actually got the revelation? Well, he fell on the floor. Yeah, but you didn't hear God speak to him. Yeah, but he heard. You'll always get back to the same point of zero credibility. You want to believe him? Go ahead. Go believe him. But it doesn't say anything. So at the end, of, at accurate.
0: the end of the day, the religion is not based on God revealing Himself to Muhammad. It's me believing Muhammad, who says that God revealed Himself to Muhammad. Right, because you have no,
1: I, no proof that it's true. Okay, so now uh, that's as far as Islam, and you see, we have the same problem. So, um, you know, now when we move to Buddhism, um, it was founded by this guy named Siddhartha Gautama, which, again, the way they say that their religion started is that he was a prince um, out there in the Far East, and he claimed that he descended up to the heavens with 39 other of wise people it goes something like that and then he came back only him alone and he was revealing to them the very specific thing the only things that he was he got he said that he got all the wisdom possible right and he could reveal to them what what's allowed okay so whatever the story is you go deep into the story there again you run into the same problem. Zero credibility. It's one person, even though he claims that he went with 39, but he came back only alone. Like, if you would say at least the 39 guys will come down and say they all had the same revelation, that will be something even, you know, a little bit better, right? More proof is 39 people. Okay, so you say 39 people could plan it really well. Fine, but it's a little bit better than one person. But it's also over there. It's one person coming down, saying Things do you want to believe him? You you want to go ahead, but does it say anything about the truth about the fact that God actually said that? No, you see, all these religions want to bring the word of God, the manual instructions to the world, the right the living the right way. Well, you're not showing me and demonstrating and proving that it is actually God, it's just a person, okay? So, I can do the same thing if I would just be a charismatic leader and uh, have a few more facts that help religions roll, and I'll be able to do the same thing. What's my biggest proof? Well, there's 10,000 religions out there today and cults. you see? So it's not such a hard thing to do. Is it hard? Go ahead, Israel. You want to start a religion? Go ahead. You know what I mean? Pretty easy today. Look how many people did it. Uh, and then, you know, Rabbi Kelman just goes on, on the Mormons. He just, you know, it's kind of for the joke, because the Mormons, it's not long ago, there was a guy named Joseph Jr. Smith, Joseph Smith Jr., something like that. Um, he went to, to the mountains and he found these golden tablets and it was written in ancient Greek, no, in, in Reformed Greek or something like that. But there was a dictionary right near, how convenient, there was a dictionary right nearby it that translated into English, so that's how he knew his stuff. And he didn't even come back with the golden tablets, because he wrote down from the golden tablets in English. And then, you know, who needs the golden tablets? Anyways, he left it there, he just brought the document. Literally, this is a very popular religion in the United States today. He was a very charismatic person, I'm sure. And he had followers and, you know, there's a few other characters that we're going to talk later on. Um, We're going to talk about, um, you know, cult leaders and stuff like that. So he had a few of those characters, but it's obviously true because he said, well, he said. So that means it's true. Again, you'll see the pattern, the same pattern repeats itself. Listen to this in every single religion in the world.
0: Hey everyone, I'm interrupting this wonderful conversation to let you know about a fantastic, one of a kind book that Artskoll has recently published titled On the Shoulders of Giants. Rabbi Shmuel Bloom, who was involved in leadership positions in Agadis Yisrael for over five decades, takes us behind the scenes to gain a unique understanding of Das Torah in all its glory. Rabbi Bloom met with Gedoli Yisrael at Moetz's Gedoli HaTorah and in quiet, urgent conferences. He chatted with them in cars and on Shabbos afternoons at conventions. He shares with us stories, many of them not widely known, of generations of greatness, from the Chafetz Chaim to Rev. Aaron Cutler and Reb Meisha Feinstein, from the Ger Rebus and Reb Aaron Steinman to Rev. Don Segal and dozens and dozens more. We also meet the Jewish people's Askanim. We are amazed by first-handed stories of Mike Tress and, of course, the incomparable Reb Meisha Sher in his years in Agoda, Rabbi Bloom also met with the highest echelons of the U.S. government, and he shares his behind-the-scenes understanding of great political events and movements. It is a book you definitely should not miss. Get a copy today at archgirl.com, Amazon, or at your local Jewish bookstore. On the Shoulders of Giants by Rabbi Shmuel Bloom. Get your copy today. I would also like to let you know that every few weeks throughout the Back to Basics program, we are going to have a Q&A with Rabbi Liel Shalom. So, if you have any questions or just want to get a little bit more clarity, send us your question to jewishfoundations at gmail.com. That is jewishfoundations at gmail.com. Every Q&A, we are going to give away one free copy of the amazing book, On the Shoulders of Giants. So, Send us your question to jewishfoundations at gmail.com for a chance to win the amazing book On the Shoulders of Giants. And now, let's get back to the show.
1: Let's go back to Rabbi Kelman. Rabbi Kelman uh, was not a religious Jew at the time. And he never even tried. He would He had this, you know, system that would just knock off every religion to, you know, people believe it. And he would bring reasons why people, there's a lot of reasons why people will want religion. You know, we mentioned what was with the Romans and for those reasons and, you know, a few more reasons to here and to there, you know, that I don't want to spend too much time on it, why people will want religion. So that's why people will go and choose to believe. But to say that there, that it's a God's revelation to those people Scientifically, it just doesn't work because there's it's a guy coming and saying something. How do I know in the world that it's true? There's zero proof for it. Fine. So, um, Rabbi Kellerman wouldn't even, t- didn't at the beginning even think about uh, trying his, uh, uh, bring Judaism to the test. Because it's like Judaism for sure won't have a chance. You know, I went through all these very popular big religions. Judaism was in the back there, you know, Jews that are not religious don't, you know, they don't, they stay away, you know, and they don't want to know too much. So um, eventually, a while later, Rabbi Kelman said, you know, let's be honest. I think he, he started becoming a little bit more religious at the point. I'm not sure. And he said, let's give it a try. So he purchased Um, the five books of Moses, Chanisha Chumshei Torah, he he started learning. He wanted to learn very well and study the religion of uh, Judaism, which conveniently happened to be his own religion. (laughs) So um, he starts Chumash Barathees, so beautiful how the world was created. Wow, sounds fascinating, very interesting, exciting. And then he starts, he gets to the Mabul, all those very fascinating stories, then he gets to Aramavinu. Hmm, says Rabbi Kelman. Quite obvious. I saw that coming, right? There's the founding father. The, the, the first person came to the world and God revealed himself to him. <laughs> okay, obviously, like every other religion, God comes to an individual and that individual gave it over to his followers. Uh, the group of people, his son Isaac, and uh, Isaac continued the tradition, and he passed it over to Jacob, to Yaakov, and Yaakov passed it over to the 12th tribe, and he's reading Chumash Bereshis, and he's saying to himself, like every other religion, still zero credibility. Although, if you would know Abraham Abinah, and you know he's the most wonderful person in the world, and you choose to believe him, fine, but still... And you didn't get the revelation yourself. It's it's just based on believing
0: a Ramadan, but you yourself, you don't know. So Judaism was just another one of those 10,000 religions who some guy decided that God uh, was revealed to him. That's what Rabbi Kelman
1: was saying when he was reading Chumash That's what, what it seemed to be. Then he moved on to Chumash Mos, right? So the Jews are in Egypt. And they go out of Egypt, and the, the, the sea split. Wow, this is dramatic. You probably knew the story already from the movie Ten Commandments. <laughs> and then you get to Parshas Yisrael. And there Rabbi Kelman realizes that, obviously, that Parsha is the foundation of the whole entire Jewish belief. Right? You could tell from the psukim. We're not going to go deep into the psukim right now, but you could tell from the psukim that this is the drama. This is the moment you were all waiting for. This is when you're becoming a nation. This is when it's all starting. That means what was till now was, you know, just an introduction. Now the real thing is starting. And what happens? Rabbi Kelman is le- reading, okay, the famous Harsina experience. The Jewish nation Comes to Mount Sinai, the year God speak, they couldn't bear it. They their neshama blew out. The malachim revived them, and they heard the rest. And then they said, they all they they said, we cannot hear. Please, Moses, you give it to us. And then they all heard Hashem calling Moshe Alei HaHara, come up to the mountain. It was in front of the whole entire Jewish nation, and that's how we know that whatever Moshe was was giving over also was directly from God, because God called him up, so they first heard God, then from Moses, and it's all in that experience, in that what we call mass revelation. How many people were there? So we have an estimation of close to 3 million people. How do we know that? Because the Torah says that there were 600,000 men between the age of 20 and 60, so now um, can't uh, give an estimation of include the children and the women, you know, of the, the married people over 20 and the children and the seniors, you get to close to three million people. Okay. So the Torah is right. Okay, this is our what the Jews are claiming in the book. That the, the, the God revealed himself to a whole entire nation, close to three million people. Okay, is is three million a lot for you, wrong It's good enough. It's a nice amount, yeah. It's a nice amount. No, nope. a lot, a lot of people. It's a lot. Okay, close to three million people are right now experiencing one single experience of the God's revelation to them as a nation, and they all hear the same, and they're all experiencing the same. Okay, that's. That's as far as what the book writes. Wow. Now, Rabbi Kelman just had to take his his system that he built about knocking Judaism down to the ground and try to apply it to here, right? So let's apply it. Let's go to the top, to the revelation. And the revelation was given to, hey, wait a minute. It was given to a, a group of people, not only a group of people, a whole entire nation, close to 3 million people. If it's true, if it's true, that's the biggest proof in the world. You don't need any, 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 again, if it's true what it's written, because imagine, as far as testimony, that's, that's not, that's super, that's 100% super clear proof. It's not like one guy coming and telling me, imagine, imagine, again, we didn't get into any proof yet, but imagine. This is what it says in the book so far. Imagine, Israel, that three million people come to you right now, today. And one after another, you're sitting there. Wow, you need a lot of patience for that. But imagine you have three million people lined up. Okay? They have a big lineup in the desert. They're all coming to you. Hi, Sir Israel. How are you doing? We saw that a uh, God came and told all of us to give you to give your wallet to Leo, okay? God, we, we heard God, and one after another, those three million people will come in. You're gonna ask each one, are you sure? How did you hear it? And they're all answering the same thing.
0: Unbelievable, is that, will you give me your wallet then? I would probably just give it after 10 of them. I would just say, just leave me alone and take my money. Three million people, holy moly. But yeah, I mean, for sure, if three million people. And like, I investigate each one and they all, you know, say the same thing. then Three million. That's clear to you that God said that to them, right? I mean, I wouldn't even need to get close to three million. It was like a few thousand or even a few hundred. Like if I, you know, investigate them and see if they're all saying the exact same thing. I mean, yeah, and you see even in court, you know, you have, I mean, not even through, you know, thousands of people, not even a hundred. You just have, you know, a couple of people and sometimes even one or two. And if it's, you know, if it matches with the evidence, then, you know, boom, they believe it. And send the guy 30 years to jail based on that. So three million, I mean, doesn't get better than that. Exactly. That's,
1: that you agree that will be 100% sealed proof, no even question. God said that because there's no way that three million people could plan such a, such a scam. Okay. There's just no way because there's three million of options to, for it to fail, right? The more people, the more chance for it to fail. And if three million are accurate, boom, boom, that's called 100% proof. And uh, through the power of testimony, you're using this idea of testimony to its best, right? You don't need more than that. So Rabbi Kalman wants to apply, right, and say that their Judaism has zero credibility because the way it started from, hey, wait, but three million people experienced it. That changes the whole entire game. But, come on.
0: Who wrote this in the book? Who wrote? Yeah, yeah it's it's not like we have those three million people today telling us uh-huh. that God was revealed to them. It's written in a book. So, so I'm believing the book. So at the end of the day, it does come down to one thing.
1: Oh, so now we get to the question of the day. The question of the day is, or like Rabbi Kelman phrased it, I think back then, he said, first of all, (laughs) this is Rabbi Kelman's uh, line, first of all, how did they have the chutzpah, the Jews, the chutzpah to write that three million people experienced it? Like, how much, you need to have so much guts to go and write such a thing, Right? Right in the book, but that's the uh, um, you know, just to say it in a in a in a in a nice way. But let's see a very important question, and that's going to lead us from now on. We're moving into the next step in talking about Har Sinai. So far, we know we're we're taking slow steps into the topic. Right now, we're starting to you know get to the real real issue. What we need to deal now with the question is okay. So it says in the book, the three million people that the Jews claim. That there was a mass revelation. Ooh. But maybe someone made it up in the book. Right? Maybe someone wrote it in the book. Now you can't just throw that claim like that. Oh, someone made it up. How well we need to figure out from now on is how can you start this kind of lie? Let's say it's a lie, You want to say, ah, someone made it up. Okay. How do you make this kind of thing up? Let's go up. You have to come up. Like Rabbi Cohen says, with a concrete scenario, how would you start with the book claiming that three million people? You cannot just go write. Imagine now, you're going to go and write down, uh, write a book that the United States fell apart and there was a war and uh, and uh, and uh, you know Scandinavia wiped out the United States. Okay, you were writing in a book. Okay. Obviously, no one's going to buy your book. No one's going to believe your book. It's not going to stand for one second. Everyone's going to look at it and laugh. It will never start. No one will ever believe it. It's not an, a believable thing. Why? Because it's an obvious thing. You don't have away any evidence for it. Okay. So it actually
0: sounds you know, like a book that's going to sell, but it's going to be in the Harry Potter and uh, Spider Man section. Exactly.
1: Exactly in, in uh, science fiction. But uh, obviously no one will take you seriously, right? And Mimele, it, it will take it will never take off, right? If you're gonna try to start uh, find a group of followers and you're gonna convince them, guys, I'm telling you Scandinavia wiped out the United States, you know, first of all, no one will believe you. Second of all, they're gonna go and check. You, okay, you're never will be able to sell this kind of line, okay? So how in the world? If you want to say, oh, the Jews made it up in the book and and they wrote the three million people experienced it, it was really whatever one guy or just someone made it up. But you just started, yeah, so give me a concrete scenario. How will this book be sold and to carry on for so many years? And to just to make the question even bigger, uh, how much we need to find out, and, and how much you owe to bring a good, concrete scenario uh, to 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 back up this kind of this kind of claim.
0: Um, how many Jews are today in the world? Let's say so, probably I think, between ten and fifteen million. Yeah, there is around they
1: say fourteen, fifteen million. Yeah, Jews. something
0: around those numbers.
1: Right. Unfortunately. Um, most of them are not religious, but even amongst the non-religious, there's a lot of people that are affiliated, and at least they carry the claim that we all claim that God revealed Himself to us in the mass revelation and harshia, right? So you have a few millions of people today, let's say five million, you want to say, out of the 15 million are affiliated, let's say, and they all claim and say that their father claims, and their father say they, their father claims, they claim that. We had a mass revelation at Mount Sinai, right? And and on the other hand, you want to okay, so that's evidence. That's right now evidence that Jews are at least claiming it. We're claiming now. You want to say that we just made it? Up, that we just made it up? Because if you're saying that it's totally someone made it up, how would it be sold? How would you sell this idea? You have to come up with the congressman. So the people that want to argue with. You, with us with Judaism, in Judaism about this claim and about the mime of Arsenei that the mass revelation, relation they would come either from the past theory or the present theory they're going to come up to you know kind of strengthen their 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 arguments that we just made it up by making this concrete scenario called the past theory or the present theory. What is the past theory? The past theory is, okay, you Jews, you just made up the story. Ah, uh, how do you start and this thing in the book? Well, there was a cult leader called Joe Schmo. Joe Schmo, the cult leader, was very charismatic. He was like every other cult and religion. And he came to a group of followers. He walks into the class with five books of Moses, okay. He comes up, comes in with the chumash that we have that we're passing down in tradition. That's what people that argue with us are saying. Yeah, and they and the guy came and he said, "You see these five books of Moses? You see these five five books? They're all true, and everything that's written inside them are true. Here, look over here. Oh, Jews standing on Mount Sinai, three million, a whole nation coming out of Egypt. Oh, you're gonna ask me." Oh, where did it happen? When did it happen? Well, hold up, folks. This really happened 2,000, 3,000 years ago. And it all happened. But don't ask. After all this happened, that whole nation got wiped out with some disaster. There was an earthquake. They, they, they all died. They were, they were chased by other nations, by monsters, whatever you want to fill in there. Okay? And they got wiped out. But their books, their wisdom survived. So here I'm giving it to you. So here is a concrete scenario, so to speak, of saying here, and that's what's called the past theory, because you're saying that it was in the past and something happened. And now this this cult leader came and gave them the book. And that's how it says that there's 3 million people, but it really is made up. This guy made it up, but he sold the idea by telling them that it really happened, and but they, everyone got wiped out, etc., etc. Okay? That's called the past theory. That's one argument that people want to make with our claim. Then you have the present theory. The present theory is where it gets a little bit more slippery. And the present theory is saying like this, Everything that says in the book, you know, actually happened, but it happened in the way that this cult leader was, you know, he was very charismatic, he was manipulated, and he managed to convince the people that presently that's what they were experiencing. They all went to this mountain after they were slaves. And their savior happened to take them to the mountain, and they were all slaves. These are guys are after. It says in the book that they were there for 210 years. These guys were out of their minds already. They all come to the mountain. There's guys standing with drums in the background there doing disco lights and smoke and some sound effects. And they convinced them that they're experiencing God, and they all heard the same thing. And you had a religion up and running. Because he managed to do some present experience to sell this idea, okay? Some people like to throw in there is another thing. You know, some people like to love making this claim, and Rabbi Kellman mentions it. Uh, some people say, "Well, you know what it was? It, it goes. It's still in the realm of present theory. Like another, I would say, another branch of present theory." They say, well, you know what they what they were doing? They were all on mushrooms. The guys were on drugs. They were all very high, and uh, like Rabbi Kellerman says, it was the national drug trip. It was like the biggest national drug trip ever, and they experienced they they, they were under um, you know the influence of that. And they, there are some people that make the serious claim, as Rabbi Kellerman says that. One, one, a serious professor once made this claim to him. And so Rabbi Kellerman responded to him. He says, well, about you, like he was also Jewish, as you could guess. So he says, about you, I believe that that you came from those people that were all druggies in the desert. But what about all the Jews that won the Nobel Prize? Okay, um, I think they're 40%. I have another, there's two more small points to go about it before we go into the arguments back on what they argue with us on the past and the present theory. So two quick points. So this, this guy in H that he did work about this point, about the people that claimed that we were just druggies. Um, he says there's it's not possible. I mean, um, factually it won't work because you cannot get a uh, large group of people that are all in high to experience the same thing. Every individual experiences it in a very different way, in a very different direction. I mean, he was a uh, expert in, um, and I don't know if it's from experience or from medical, but, um, he, he brought some very nice, I think you can find it on Asia's website somewhere. Um, this whole work, the proofs that he was showing that there is, um, it's just not possible. If you if you check it out uh, medically, you cannot um, get such a large group of people to all be high and experience the same experience. It's just impossible.
0: It, it's- maybe like if you have three hundred million people, it could be out of the three hundred million people, three million of them are going to experience the same thing. But to have three million people and like one hundred percent of them experienced right. the exact same thing, like, right. that's the That doesn't make sense. It does, he says yeah.
1: evidence. He brought evidence that it doesn't make sense. But again, all these arguments back and forth, don't worry, because we're we're going to have arguments back and forth that are more important, but that's not the proof of Harsina, okay? We're just doing this, you know, half for fun and half to just speak out what people say out there. But at the end, don't forget, like Rabbi Kelman calls it the bomb. We're going to bring the real... I don't, I usually don't use the word prove because people get very, you know, put back and say, I'm going to prove to you, right? But we're going to get to know. We're going to literally, it's going to be kind of like a, a magic trick. We're going to perform here live on the podcast, a reliving of the miracle of Harasena. waits and see and experience. You'll see. I always say when I give the sheer, on Harassini, I always tell them wait till the end. I'm gonna actually perform a real, a real magic trick, for real. And obviously, no one believes me. But you're gonna see it at the end, you will believe me. It's gonna actually be like like performing magic, and you'll see more what I mean later on. Uh, but back to what we were saying about the guy that worked on Ace. You can go see what he said. That it's just not logical. I would add another point, this is just for me, but again, this is not the main point, this is the side point, that even if you want to, if, if for those that want to claim that it was a national tr- drug trip, um, you know, okay, so you want to say that there were, the, all those three millions were under uh, the influence of drugs, okay, and they hurt Mount Sinai, this whole complex tour, whatever you want to say, okay, and then they gave it to their children, right, I believe, because again, there is millions of people today that are claiming that so so that let's say second generation after them they gave it to their children right now were the children also all high obviously less right they got less and less and less if you want to even if you want to say they were high right so the second generation was not necessarily high anymore they were the children of the slaves now what either after the second generation or the third generation that there were not druggies that tradition that what they're if if they're sure they, they know that their parents are druggies, they're going to say to themselves, wait, if my parents were all druggies, they don't know what they're talking about. They're talking nonsense. That was not even real. So they wouldn't take any of it. Uh, but
0: what if you could say like these three million people, they, they weren't necessarily druggies. It's just like one time they just did drugs altogether. And, you know, but the kids are not going to say, oh, my parents were druggies. It must be not true. Because their parents weren't druggies. It was just that one time. Right. I mean,
1: how do you do that? How do you get three million people one time to be druggies?
0: Oh, is I don't that know. There,
1: there was, <laughs> the claim is that there were slaves. They were so low. And there were anyways on highs. And then they gave out shrooms to everyone. And yeah, I mean, that's the claim. But I'm saying you don't just get high one day and and then the other day it's over again this whole claim is not even serious just because of the fact that you look you know at the rich tradition it's not that bunch of gibberish blah 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 things were passed down it's a, you know it's a whole wisdom but that's you know let's 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 say this was just a side point let's get back to the main arguments which is the past and the present theory okay we're going to quickly go over the questions that we had, and, and we're going to, I'll, I'll say what we're going to do next episode. So quickly what we're going to do is, uh, quickly what we learned today is that you run through the different religions, right, and you see they all have the same problem that there is zero credibility. They have a very nice tradition. They're very popular. They're all around the world. But you go to the starting point, which they claim they, they hold the truth. They have the ingredients, the super ingredients of the truth in the world. They had a, how to use this world. And you see it started from one person. And that one person claimed he had God's revelation. And you don't know that it's true. You want to believe him? Go ahead. And that's what people choose to do. And that explains why there are so many religions um out there and why they're so popular and everything that's not that's not the point but the point to know that it's actually the truth that that's god's will and that's god's definition of good and bad and everything we spoke you have no idea because it came from one guy saying his own experience which we call zero credibility right we started with that we went through the different religions and then we said that Rabbi Kelman wanted to try it on Judaism. And when he read the first book, Beresh, he saw it's kind of the same thing. It's also individuals that are having God's revelation on, although Avraham Avinu was a righteous man, it says in the book and everything, but at the end of the day, it's one person and you can choose it. You can choose to believe him or not. I don't know if it's the truth. How do I know? That is true. I have no idea. Like any other religion, but then when he got to Mos, and he sees in Parshish Yisro that it was a whole, like we said in the introduction, right, last week, that it started from Avraham was a whole process to get to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, suddenly he saw that it was a mass revelation. Ah, mass revelation? Wow. So the only thing you need to figure out is that if Rabbi Kelman wanted to do his, you know, his system of knocking out of the religion by bringing it to the beginning and saying that there there was a a, a zero credibility, well, the only problem, they claim, the Jews, they have the chutzpah to claim, like he says, that there were three million people there. They God came to three million people. And like we said, Israel, if three million people come to you, it's 100% proof. It is. If they all come to you one after another and tell you one very single thing, that's the biggest testimony in the world. It's 100% proof. No one can argue with this. No one can argue The only thing that people that wanna argue with us, they say, well, you guys made it up. You just, someone wrote it in the book. Some very charismatic leader wrote that there were three million people there, but it didn't really happen. If you wanna say that, you need to deal with something else. What do you need to deal with? Today, there's millions of people that are still claiming that, okay? So it's a serious claim over here. But you wanna say we made it up? So you will have to, if you wanna argue, you'll have to come with a concrete scenario to say, how did this lie, quote unquote, start, right? How would someone kick off this idea that there were three million people there, right? No one would believe it. It's like you selling a book that Scandinavia wiped out the the United States and became the empire of the world. Scandinavia, come on, no one's gonna buy a book and no one's gonna ever believe you and you're not gonna have any followers because immediately you're gonna be debunked. So. The people that argue with us back will say, huh, I have either the past theory or the present theory. And we explain the past theory is that someone made up this book, brought this book, and he made it up or whatever. But he claims that when people are asking him, hey, it says that with 3 million people. He says, no, it was really true, but it happened 2,000 years ago. Those people got wiped away, and I'm giving you the book. That's the past theory. The present theory is... That they come and say, well, you know what? What it says in the book happened, but it was didn't really happen. It was a manipulation by a present theory, meaning presently he managed to convince a very large group of people, three million people, he managed to convince them, right, that they experienced God. And a branch of that claim is that, that they were slaves, they were druggies, and they were under influence and shrooms and a national drug trip, and they fell for it. But really? Eh. So we went into the drug thing that it's a really not serious claim. But the more serious claims against us are those past theory and the present theory. Then That's like the concrete scenario that they're going to bring to say that, no, you just made it up. We'll have to leave you here with the questions. Wow, how painful. I don't know if you're going to fall asleep from this episode till next week. I have no idea how you're going to fall asleep. And next week, we're going to bring... Two arguments with the past theory and the present theory argument against us. We're gonna answer that, but that won't be the end of the story. That's not really where our proof of Harsinai is sitting. And then we're gonna get to the bomb. We're gonna actually experience a real kind of magic trick and see how the Harsinai event is still standing. And still happening, and that's where we, it, you know, if that's true, I'm just showing you the, the the importance. This is a very important piece of information. That's the most important piece of information because if Harsinah happened, then everything we spoke till now—the finding God, the purpose of creation, and all these nice, nice, beautiful, important uh, ideas—are important ideas. But they don't like really obligate you or tell you, "Oh no, there's a real truth. God revealed it." and told us a specific. Once you know how a scene, that happened, ooh, their whole entire life changes. That's where everything changes. That's why a lot of people, you know, might, uh, they want to argue, or not, won't be comfortable with the proof. And they're going to try to argue, because think about it, how much it obligates you. Okay? So, um, um this will be one of those, um, so next week is, um. Really, really important one and a big one. And I'll just say something very important before we end off over here. I know, and you know, I, I, I experienced this before when I give over this year, these, these series on night, it's really hard to wrap your head around it and really get all the details and really understand everything because it's a lot to take. It could take a while to hear it. You might want to even hear it a few more times um, really to get this one and understand this whole back and forth. So till it like
0: really sinks in.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things. just like you need to really wrap your head around it and really understand it. So even if it wasn't, you know, it's not all in there, there's a lot to digest over here. So take your time. Just listen to it again if you need. I know we're also running through a lot, a lot of things, and we skip a lot of things because we try to do the main parts and the most crucial points. Um, but don't get scared if it's like, oh my gosh, this is so far from me. Um, this shouldn't intimidate you. It just takes a lot of work to really get and understand all these
0: points, and it's not—it's not supposed to be easy. We will be back next week with the answers. Thank you, Rebbe, and thank you for listening. So that is it for today. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you learned something new. If you have any questions or just want to get a little bit more clarity, send us an email to jewishfoundations at gmail.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, help us out by letting a friend know subscribing and leaving a comment. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. See you again next week.